Hi, I'm Howard Tierski. Welcome to the Winning Digital Customers Podcast, where we focus on the stories of large-scale digital transformations told by the people who lead them. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the Winning Digital Customers Podcast. I have a fantastic guest with me today. He's a friend. His name is Richard Bliss, and we are going to have a fantastic conversation. Richard is the author of the book, Digital First Leadership, which is a fantastic book. He is an expert in social media and LinkedIn in particular. He has been on CNN. He's been on Good Morning America talking about this stuff. I think he had his own Comedy Central special, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) Just kidding about the last part. I feel like I'm introducing someone at a nightclub. He also is somebody who I know well, and I have learned from his techniques and tips about how to make your social media presence more effective. And this guy has got the goods. He has studied how to make this stuff work and his stuff is proven and works and I can attest to that personally. So I can't wait to spend a half hour or so picking Richard's brain about this whole space of leadership and social media. So welcome, Richard. And is there anything you'd want to add to my introduction? Howard, how in the world can I add to that introduction? That was fantastic. My company, Bliss Point, uh, based here in San Francisco Bay Area, where I'm located with uh, members of my team all over the the US. And that would be the only thing because they're doing a fantastic job of supporting so many of our clients around the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for adding that. So here's where I want to start. Your book is called Digital First Leadership. Yep. Really, your current focus is on social media and particularly LinkedIn. So there may be many people who are listening who go, wait a minute, leadership, LinkedIn. If you said, what are the three most important things about leadership? Most people would not say, well, of course your LinkedIn page. Can you connect the dots for folks If you're not looking for a job, for example, what the heck does your LinkedIn presence have to do with your ability to be a great leader anyway? That's a great question because in today's world, we are faced with this deluge of digital information everywhere we go. And I often say now to people, look, your digital reputation does not follow you. You now follow your digital reputation. And what I mean by that is a year and a half ago, we expected to make contact with individuals at networking events, in person, shaking hands, eye to eye. But that has all gone out the virtual window because now all of our interaction, all of it, has been through a digital medium. And when it comes to this digital medium, the new generation that's coming up, the older generation is struggling with this a little bit, but the new generation coming up, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to go look you up. And when we say they're going to Google you, yeah, they might Google you, but they're really going to go look at your LinkedIn profile. Everybody doesn't have Facebook. Everybody doesn't have Instagram. Not everyone has TikTok or YouTube, but everybody in the business world has a LinkedIn profile. And that's the first place anyone's going to go look. I know executives that I've coached that would get off stage after presenting in front of 5,000 people. And the first thing they do is they open up their social media. They look at Twitter to see what people were saying about them as they stood on stage. And they look at their LinkedIn to see what people are connecting, commenting, or engaging with their content. And so this is where the social media and particularly LinkedIn, comes into play in today's modern world is because this is how we interact with people long before we meet them. They've already got an impression of us. Absolutely. I see that all the time. You know, I mean, I pay for the paid version of LinkedIn. And one of the features that that gives me is it shows me who's looking at my LinkedIn profile. I don't always use that particular feature, but it's interesting because very often I'll go into a meeting or I'll give a presentation or be presenting at a client or whatnot. And I will see them then within a few hours, some of those people were looking at my LinkedIn profile. And so that right there kind of proves the point you're making. It becomes kind of that place people check out. Who is this person? Are they really credible, et cetera? I absolutely agree. And then just a a quick 
example, I have a client who sold their practice. They were a CPA and their specialty is special needs trust fund pools. Okay. That's a really, really narrow niche, but they happen to have a special needs adult child. They happen to also have an expertise in tax implications of taking care of adult children with special needs. So he decided to rebrand himself on a national level, even though he was a local person on a national level to become known as a specialist in helping families understand how to pool their funds together to build trusts, to take advantage of the financial scalability. And he did all of that through LinkedIn. He went from zero to now he uses that, who's looking at my profile. And I had a call with him just this past week. He says, every single person he's trying to influence on a national stage is now looking at his profile on a regular basis. And that's a perfect example of how to establish, establish that digital first leadership. There's no way he could have gone to a conference or been invited to speak. Nope, he's doing it guerrilla style. Yeah, that's the ultimate version, right? Where, where your profile is actually acting with kind of gravity, actually pulling in the people you wanna to talk to. That's a great way of saying it, I like that, yeah. I keep trying to get there myself, frankly. I don't know that I, it, it happens a little bit, but certainly I know I'm always out there talking to new people and like you said, they're coming to my profile. Yep. You mentioned earlier that, you know, some people may Google you, but a lot of people are going to go to LinkedIn. I totally agree with that. And if you're like most business executives, not a super huge superstar name, if they Google you, what's the first thing that's probably going to come up? It's probably your LinkedIn profile anyway. Very often that's the case. So either way, uh, all roads tend to lead to that LinkedIn profile. I love the notion and I keep working toward it myself to get more and more of the types of people who I want to be talking to coming directly to me on LinkedIn. I mean, maybe it's better than I think. I mean, I, you know, I do have a bunch of followers on LinkedIn, but very often I find the people that I'm looking to reach. LinkedIn is not necessarily how they're finding me, but once I find them or engage them in some way, LinkedIn is where they're going to check me out. And for me, nearly 100% of my business is LinkedIn. And yes, I live in LinkedIn and everything, but no, I'm talking about people who find me it's like, oh, I need some help with my LinkedIn, my social media, my sales team, my selling, whatever. And they're coming through through LinkedIn. I don't do any advertising. And the conversations we've had together, I don't even have a mailing list, which is something that's embarrassing. But no, it's 100%. They're finding me through the conversations that I'm having online. So hopefully we've persuaded people that this is a really, really big opportunity. And, and you know, actually, let me suggest a couple other scenarios, because obviously the people listening are different people in different situations. Of course, I think everybody knows if you're looking for a job, LinkedIn is very important. And if you're out there trying to get clients, and this is the scenario that you and I are talking about, it's important or you're speaking. But I would argue that even if you're chief marketing officer of a, of a big company and you're not, you're not in sales, you're not trying to get clients, you're not looking for a job but you are trying to influence change within an organization. You are an important figure within that organization. You're gonna find that the people who work, the employees who work in that organization, they're checking out you, they're checking out your LinkedIn profile. For example, announcing a new digital project and you're getting on a webinar with you know, a whole bunch of employees and telling them these are the changes that are coming and you're seen as a leader, you're their leader, you're one of the leaders, then they probably wanna know more about you you're going to either give them a sense of comfort and confidence that there's this great leader, or, you know, it's going to give them a sense of uncertainty and doubt of like, okay, who, who the heck is this person who all of a sudden is an important figure in my life because they're a, a leader? You, you bring up a valid point is that confidence. Established leaders don't like to hear the fact that they're being judged based on their online presence. They're being judged by their employees and the people they lead based on how 
savvy they appear to be in the digital realm. I have a saying that I coined a long time ago. Your inability to master a 21st century communication tool calls into question your ability to lead a 21st century organization. Now, I said that to the VP of sales who had $4 billion of revenue that he was required to generate every year. And he and I are sitting in a tiny little room when he said, why do I need to be on social media? And he threw it in my face. And my hackles got up a little bit, so I threw it back in his face. And I said those exact words to him. Look, yes, you're qualified, but doubt is going to creep in when they look at your online presence and realize you have no ability to even understand how to master the basics of building an online presence. And this is what I see over and over and over again. It's gotten better, and people might be surprised by what's caused it to get better. Politics. Now, on LinkedIn, you will never find politics on LinkedIn. And there's a reason because they monitor that very carefully. But since the elections of 2016, my job has become so much easier because what was demonstrated by leaders on a national level was that no matter where you fell in the political spectrum, on the left or the right, agreed or disagreed, you witnessed the incredible influence that social media can be had through a leader who uses it. Now, we're not going to get into the good or the bad, the right or the wrong. What we're going to get into is the sword in the hand can wield tremendous power, and that has become much easier. I don't have to convince executives anymore if they should be on social media. Instead, it's now become more of how do I get on social media? And that's been a big change. It hasn't always been like that because most executives of a certain demographic believe that it's a waste of their time. It's all vanity. And they really don't have anything that anybody wants to hear. They're just going to go do their job and that's good enough. And that just is, doesn't cut it anymore. Right. That's a fantastic point. The younger you want to influence also, let's say you're a, you know, a CXO in your 50s or even your 60s. Do you care about having a positive impact? Do you care about your reputation with people who are in their 20s and their 30s? Well, are some of those people your investors? Are some of those people your employees? Are some of those people your customers? Probably yes, right? I mean, depending on your business. Every day, they become more customers, more. And they're looking. And even your employees, and this came back to what you were just saying about pride. I was working at a company, doing what I do, and a new CEO got put into place. And this was a $6 billion company. His LinkedIn profile had 48 connections, no photo, no background, no updates, and didn't even have him listed as the CEO. This is a $6 billion multinational company. And the angst that I heard, people came to me, please, they begged me, can you fix this? <laughs> like, no. If the executive is unwilling or unable to understand the power of this, then wh what can I do? Again, that was pre-2016. It's better now, but still, even today, even this morning, Howard, I was on the phone with a company where the executives are just struggling to understand an actively VP of sales the minimum. He basically put up a mugshot on his LinkedIn. He's got 49 connections and he says, I want nothing to do with social media. And he's the VP of sales of a global company. And you're like, well, how are you generating new relationships? Now it's the old, I'm going to go meet them eye to eye, shake their hand, take them out to dinner, play golf. I don't know about that. That seems to have gone the way a long time ago. Well, you know, it's like any kind of customer journey. You have to meet your customer where they are. You know, if your customer is dying to call you, you can't say, well, I don't like the phone. 
well, <laughs> great, but you have a constituency who you need to meet their needs. That's your role and responsibility. And if the people who need to determine whether they should trust you are choosing to use LinkedIn as their method of assessing you to simply say, well, I don't, I don't like LinkedIn. I don't want to be there. It just seems kind of foolish. Download the first chapter of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Winning Digital Customers, The Antidote to Irrelevance, today. Visit winningdigitalcustomers.com to get started. Let me mention one more use case, and then I want to turn us to the, okay, so what should you do, right? But I mean, I know we've spent half our time here, but I think it's worthwhile to really reinforce why this is so important, because I do think there's a lot of people who give this only limited attention, and it's a huge mistake, and LinkedIn has just become the official place. Nobody uh, anointed them from on high, but they have become the de facto place to learn what someone's business profile is. But the other analogy I wanted to make, or another use case, we did a study for one client who was doing digital transformation. Our role is always figure out how to overcome whatever obstacles they're encountering. So for this particular client, one of the obstacles they were encountering was not being able to hire technology talent fast enough. And so we looked into, well, why? And we, what we wound up doing was we told, and we're not a recruiting company, but we just, this was the problem. So we have to help them figure it out. So we talked to a number of people who had recently declined positions, people that they wanted to hire, who'd been in the job search process, who ultimately took another position. We said, well, what happened? You know, why did you not come to this company, big financial services company that was our client? What we heard as a common theme was they weren't believing enough in the person they were going to report to. So this isn't just about the ultimate leaders of a company. This is about people who might be at the manager level, but when you get told, hey, here's a job offer, Howard, and you're going to report to Richard, then my next thing I'm going to do is, well, let me, I want to learn more about this guy, Richard. He's going to be a huge figure in my life if I'm reporting to him. He's my boss. And I might have met him in the interview, but of course, a lot of that probably focused on me convincing him that he should hire me. So I might only have gotten a little bit of a sense. So next thing I'm going to do is go to Richard's LinkedIn profile. And if it's Finn, then either... I'm frustrated because I can't get my questions answered. Or like you said before, I draw certain conclusions, right or wrong, but I might draw the conclusion that, well, obviously this guy's not very digitally savvy. He might be a genius computer programmer, but doesn't seem to get it. Then that might make me go, yeah, you know, and we heard those kinds of things. We heard that the LinkedIn profiles and we heard it competitively. We heard, you know, in some other companies, and to be fair, these guys were competing in some cases with more digital companies, but they say, I will look at my manager's profile at the job I was offered at some startup and he had videos posted and content and, and I could really understand it. And I sort of thought, wow, this is a guy I like to work with. And I looked at the manager's profile that I, I was going to report to at this bank. And it's just like you said before, you know, got his picture, it's got, you know, whatever, some followers, but you know, just the names of past jobs, no descriptions. And so I was like, okay, this guy doesn't seem like that interesting to me. And so I think that is another scenario that affects not just leadership, but everybody, particularly now, because the war for talent, more than ever in our kind of coronavirus period, where just for whatever reason, the talent market is heated up, finding great talent is harder than ever. And this is one of those areas. It's not just about the person who's looking for the job who needs to be great on LinkedIn. It's the person who they're going to report to. So that was something that came out of a study that we did that I thought was pertinent here as well. Which is incredibly invaluable because it falls across all kinds of I've seen it with salespeople as well, right? Who have their last company still listed on their LinkedIn profile. And they're going in front of customers. I see it with salespeople who have in their about section regularly exceeds quota and aggressively grows revenue within target accounts. Well, that's great. But if I'm your target account, that is not what you want to be saying to me. Executives, leaders, they don't think who is my audience. And instead, 
And this comes back from the early days of LinkedIn. It's just where I threw up my resume. People really don't care. They're not going to look at it. I'm just going to throw it up and I'm never going to look at it again, except for they don't realize it's being looked at every single day. And that's the big change. That's why I call it digital first leadership. You need to think now everything you're doing digitally first. How can I communicate this? What will it be seen as? How does it come across? Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully we've convinced folks that this is a much more strategic tool than many people may have given it credit for. Let's say I'm one of these people. I'm sitting here listening to this podcast and I'm like, oh my God, you've just made me realize that I am screwing up big time. I created a LinkedIn account 10 years ago. I've got some basic information about past jobs. I've got the university I graduated from, but you know, frankly, I'm not doing a ton there. Some people have friended me on it or created connections because they found me there, but, but really I'm not really doing a lot. Where do I start? What are the priorities? And how can I get from where I am to the point where this isn't hurting me? And then we can get maybe to what can I do to be a superstar on LinkedIn? We refer to it as getting your digital house in order. So the very first thing is, is that first impression. And there's five key elements to that first impression. Number one is the banner behind your face. A lot of people don't realize you can change that banner. It needs to be 1600 by 400 pixels. So basically a four by one and it needs to be a high-res photo. It can be anything that you feel conveys something about you. I tend to recommend that you don't necessarily lead with family because remember, your audience is a business relationship. And while family may be important, seldom do we walk into our client and start showing photos of you know, our family's last trip. But think of something that will relate to your clients, your customers, your partners, your employees, that they can connect to you. Number two is your photo, your headshot. I see so often grainy photos, wedding photos, bar party photos. It's thinking, look, this is your first impression. This is what they're going to look at. It doesn't have to be a glamour shot, but shoulder height, head to shoulders, not the torso, because they're looking at this on a mobile device as a thumbnail. So make sure they can see your face. Number three is your headline. This goes right under. That should be something that's descriptive, but not too descriptive. LinkedIn has opened it up a little bit and people are going crazy writing essays in there. No clearly identify. And now in my industry, I always tell people, include your company name because that helps people who are connecting with you understand where you fit in the ecosystem of their business relationships. I have other people say, no, don't put your company name because nobody cares. No, no, no. Your number one branding is that company that you work for, whether it's your own company or somebody else you work for. The next one is the single most difficult aspect of a LinkedIn profile, and that's your about section. The about section is often listed simply as the cover letter of a CV or resume, and it shouldn't be. It should be talking to the audience. 2% of your people who visit your profile are going to look at this, but those 2% are your most active, interested people. So find a way of telling a story about you that isn't just a travel log of your work experience that they can find down in the work experience section. For example, Say something along these lines. In my career, I've had the opportunity of working in a wide range of industries that allow me to understand how to clearly and effectively help my customers navigate through the rapid transformation that's happening in the industry today. Whether that's healthcare or finance, the rapid transformation and technology impact, again, I'm dealing with technology, allows me to help my customers understand how to achieve the aspirational goals they have in an organization and overcome the challenges that each company faces. My experience has allowed me to do this because of these background experiences. This narrative that I just crafted right there, that's a way of crafting it and thinking, I'm talking to people as if they're sitting in front of me, but I have to convey value. Now, most people hesitate because that sounds like I'm bragging. No, you're simply explaining the value and not making them work for it. Oh, no, no, they can look at my work experience. They'll find out what value I bring. No, they won't. 
Who has the time for that? I don't know about you, but I don't do that. I don't go look through your work experience to figure that out. No, I want it quick. Give it to me right up front. And then the last one is your activity. How are you engaging in the conversations that are happening online right now? So those five elements are the first thing to getting your digital house in order. Yeah, and I think that business about bragging, I, I think that's a common problem that people have. It's really important to overcome. And I know it's something I've worked on a lot over the years. You know, I mean, I, I'm always probably to a fault. I'm always wanting to make sure I, I never look like I'm trying to like self-promote. And yet at the same time, you know, isn't that what we have to be able to do? Because my thing, I'm, I'm just trying to help the other person, right? So if someone's coming to my LinkedIn profile, they're there to understand about me and they want to know what's my level of authority and credibility and what do I know and what, how expert am I or, you know, something like that. That's probably why they're there. So if I hide those things, then, you know, one thing I have to know is that I'm actually not helping them. That's what they're trying to do. And then I think there's tone. And so what I'm always trying to do is figure out, okay, how can I quickly let them know those things? But without, for example, I want people to know I've written a Wall Street Journal bestselling book. I want them to know I founded a, a digital agency that's won a lot of awards. But, you know, there's ways to say those things that don't, you know, I'm very fortunate to have, I have an amazing team at my agency that has built lots of fantastic solutions for big companies and has been recognized, you know, so it doesn't sound like I'm so great. I guess my main point is just know that there's a difference between what you're saying and tone. And there definitely are ways to find tone that doesn't sound like you're sort of an arrogant jerk, just because the content of what you're saying is talking about your most important accomplishments. Yeah. And always keep in mind, okay, so I've accomplished this. Why should this person care? Can't get enough of winning digital customers? You can find even more content and video versions of the podcast episodes on our YouTube channel. Visit wdc.ht slash YouTube to subscribe. I've accomplished this in my career. Why should they care? Well, for example, you let off with, I've written a book. Well, why should they care I've written a book? Well, that means I've actually taken the time to study this. And with this book, I've been able to show other people how they can make changes in their life. I have been, as we said, on CNN, Good Morning America. Why, why should they care? Well, this means that I have learned things and shared things. And this is some of the things I've shared and learned and why you can come to me and find value. We got to constantly thinking saying, so what? I've done this, but so what? And so what goes to the audience? And now help them understand why that experience that you've had is relevant to them. We do it all the time. We help our executive as we coach them to understand how to tell that story without them feeling like they're bragging, but, and it's not always successful. And what I mean by that is I have one client right now who is absolutely refusing to do any of that. No, that's too salesy. Oh, no, no, no. I'm bragging there. I know I don't want to push my opinion onto my clients. Well, what do you mean you don't want to push your opinion onto your clients? That's your job. You're the leader. You're supposed to have an opinion and you're supposed to share it. But again, the digital world is a methodic way we do that. We do it naturally in the physical world. Howard, you and I are in a networking event. We're going to be talking. You'll say something nice about me. I'll say something nice about you. We might tell a story from our past that illuminates a certain point. It'll all happen naturally. Online, it's got to be manufactured, which makes it feel forced and manipulative. And that's the difference that you have to get over is thinking, no, I need to take these natural instincts and actually methodically put them in place in front of my audience. Otherwise, they won't pick up on them. Yeah. And I also think in all these areas, whether it's photography or the design of a background image or the copywriting of things like your about section, you know, it's wonderful if you have the skills, if anyone has the skills to do it themselves, you can write in your own voice. But at the same time, 
just like you probably don't want to print your own business cards on your Xerox machine or your inkjet printer at home. I mean, you can, you can go to Staples and you can buy like stuff to make your own business cards, you know, and you could design them yourself in PC paintbrush program that comes with your computer. But considering how important this is in terms of how people use it to evaluate the seriousness of your company, it's probably a, just a bad idea. And so I would suggest that for most people, investing a modest amount of money in making sure you have photos that are good and you're well lit and blah, 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 you know, and even a good writer can accomplish the things we're talking about. But it may be, depending on who you are, who's listening, maybe you can't, right? You've never done it before. Maybe you tear your hair out trying to write that for 10 hours when the right person could interview for 30 minutes and in another hour, write it up and you have to pay them a few hundred hours or whatever. But there's a lot of things in life we don't try to do ourselves. You know, I don't try to fix my own car. I don't try to pave my own driveway. And maybe depending on who you are and your skills, maybe this is one of those things where because it's so important, you just want to acknowledge that I just need to pay someone to do this. And that's a really important point there. Tap into that expertise. Don't rely on your own instincts that saying, well, I feel uncomfortable, so I, it must be wrong to do this. <laughs> no, you feel uncomfortable because you've never done it before. So turn to somebody who has that expertise. Exactly. Exactly. Great. Let's spend the last few minutes talking about even getting to the next level. So I think fill in if you think you've missed anything important about kind of getting to that, getting your house in order. But once something, somebody's got their basic house in order, and, and I know you've written a whole book about this, and even there, if you're like me, you probably feel like I wrote a whole book, and yet it only still contains 10% of your expertise. <laughs> what would be a few nuggets you can give someone? And what would be the, you know, you talked at the beginning of the podcast about like getting to the point where people are finding you on LinkedIn. Like, what does it take to get to the point that you're this like beacon on LinkedIn, not just something people seek out, but this thing that people are attracted to and drawn to. And the next thing you know, they're calling you because they've seen your LinkedIn profile or your stuff you've posted and it's actually leading to business or job offers or people within your own company seeking you out to say, I want to work in your department or I want to work for you or whatever different positive results people are looking for. There is one secret that I will share. There's lots of secrets in the book. They're not secrets. They're in the book. But there's one technique, one thing that I will share that will make the biggest difference. And that is LinkedIn, because it's fundamentally different than all the other social media platforms, it operates under different rules. And one of those rules are that when you leave a comment on somebody's post, we are trained by Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, that we are talking to the author. That is not how LinkedIn looks at it. When you leave a comment on someone's post, LinkedIn sees that you are talking to your network, your connections. It will take your comment. There might be a thousand comments on that post and you're just one of them, but it'll 